Welcome to the second Queen's Management School Good Business Podcast. My name is Laura Steele and I'm a lecturer in business and society within the school. The aim of the podcast is to go beyond the bottom line and examine the ethical, social and environmental responsibilities of businesses. And in this episode, we'll be focusing on social enterprises. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Karen Bonner, lecturer in entrepreneurship at Queen's Management School and co-author of the UK Global Entrepreneurship Monitor Report. And Dave Linton, founder of the innovative and award-winning social enterprise Madlog. Karen, can I start with you? Most of us have encountered the term social enterprise, but what does it actually mean and how do they differ from regular businesses? Thank you, Laura. So the term social enterprise is actually one of those terms that's quite widely misunderstood, actually. Often people think that it's a catch-all term for kind of the non-profit or not-for-profit businesses, but actually social enterprises um, at their sort of most basic meaning are basically companies that have primarily a social purpose. Um, they act in the same commercial way as a regular business, but where the key difference is, is that they reinvest their profits um, back into the social purpose for which they set were set up. So they differ from a regular business in the sense that it's, it's about where these profits go. So in a regular business is in a regular business, the profits would go um, to either owner or shareholders, um, whereas in the social enterprise, it goes for the per- towards the purpose for which it was set up. I think maybe I'm guilty of sometimes confusing it, but are they something that's relatively new or have they been a feature of the business landscape for some time? Well, the, the current understanding of how we would talk about social enterprises is probably relatively recent. Um, from the kind of 1990s onwards, they became more prevalent and sort of across Europe and within the UK, um, the government set, the government set up new legal forms um, for these type of social purpose businesses. So in the UK, we had the community interest company set up as a legal form in 2005 and it was similar across other European countries. However, the idea of using the commercial success of a business to drive social change isn't isn't new. Um, it can actually be traced back um, even way back to the 1800s. Um, a really good example is Cadbury's chocolate. Um, so the Cadbury company, not they didn't have a social purpose as the main aim of the business, but what they sought to do was through the commercial success when they grew the business, um, they set up the the kind of the new factory in Bourneville and around that they created housing for their employees they created um, like a, a, a lovely spacious village type setting where their employees could live and work so they what they did was use the commercial success of the business to drive social change for their employees actually so that kind of same philosophy can be traced back to those types of businesses. That's fascinating. So actually brands that people would be really familiar with, but perhaps didn't realise that they have a huge social impact as well. And you teach on the Queen's MBA. Do you get any students approaching you saying that they're interested in starting a social enterprise rather than a traditional business? Yes, definitely. So last year we had actually a couple of the students on the MBA um, were either going to set up a company one was more of a charity type of a company, but had a social purpose, and the other was going to um, adapt a, a social element into the, the business that they wanted to set up. Um, so both of them were very much driven by actually something they'd experienced themselves, and they wanted then to set up a business to kind of enact change based on something that they had experienced. But it, um, it's not actually just even the MBAs. If the undergraduates as well are quite interested in social enterprise. 
and a few of the business management students last year were involved in the Enactus programme, which is a university-wide kind of social enterprise scheme. Um, and they were very keen to actually, when, once they graduated, take that forward as well. They were quite keen to understand you know, how you could work in a social enterprise after graduating because they themselves weren't sure if it was like a charity or whether you could actually earn a living working, or either setting up a social enterprise or working in one. Yeah, I think the new Queen's MBA really has a heavy emphasis on ethics and social responsibility. So I think it's going to be very interesting watching going forward to see if there are more people coming out with a social entrepreneurship mindset. So moving on to the direct experience of social entrepreneurship in practice. Well, Dave, my introduction to Madlog came after months of seeing people walking around Belfast with backpacks featuring your distinctive logo. And to be honest, I made the, made the assumption that it was perhaps some cool Scandinavian brand that I just was too out of the loop to be aware of. But I happened to run into Karen um, on the day that you were coming in to speak to her MBA class. And she informed me about, so the, a little bit about the story behind Madlog. I then invited myself along to hear you speak, which Karen has said a dangerous precedent because you have some fascinating people come into your module so you might see me turn up at the back of the classroom again but Dave it was wonderful to hear about how Madlog came into existence and that's why I've invited you along today because I think it's something that a wider audience would be very interested in so you could could you tell us a little bit about the Madlog story? Sure um, there is 90,000 kids in care basically um, in the UK and in Ireland and one child is entering that care system every 15 to 20 minutes. So even in the time we'll be here this, this morning, that's a lot of kids. And um, many of those children are having their belongings moved in Tesco shopping bags, black plastic bin bags. In fact, last night on the news, it was showing a social worker bringing out a child. They were talking about children in care with the stuff in um Plastic bin bags, they weren't black, but they were sitting in the back of the social worker's car and on the main BBC um, news report last night. So so I, I came across the, the need of this about five years ago when I was doing a foster care introduction course with my wife. And I saw a, a, young, a video of a young girl tell her story. And she said that when we move, trust don't give suitcases. Sometimes foster carers loan us suitcases, but quite often our belongings are moved in these black plastic bin bags and loss of dignity. And I absolutely heard nothing else the rest of that evening. I was a youth worker for 22 years. I was a youth worker at that time. And I left thinking, I'm going to fix that. Um, and the more, I, the more I started to explore that, I started to... To, to see that the issue was global. I started to see that it wasn't going to be an easy fix and it needed something really innovative and creative to, to fix it. I also wasn't really wanting to start a charity because the reality was that the, the funding world is getting reduced and there's a lot of great organisations that are already doing great things and they need the funding. So the last thing they needed was another new innovative charity to land and to, to slice that because that would have had a, a negative on the kids in care rather than, than helping in other areas. And I'd come across Tom Shoes' um, model about five years before that. I read the book and, and saw this buy one, give one model. Um, it also was came out of the need for these kids deserve to have a brand new bag. So getting donations and donating old bags wouldn't have built their value and worth. So that led me into thinking, how do I get these new bags? And using this Tom Shoes model was the was um, an option. And I, I started on that journey to set the Mad Lug Bag Company, which stands for Make a Difference Luggage. And the, the reality of starting this in Northern Ireland is actually 
um, we, we are not people who create brands that we wear. The only brand that I think we have in this country that's kind of gone out of it um, and people wear is the O'Neill's brand due to the sports. And so to do something like that, we're not really known. And we love our brands, but we love discount. Uh, we love Bandam and TK Maxx. So the idea of creating this kind of bag company, this brand that was competing in a, in a space that was already um, very brand orientated, um, and doing it from Northern Ireland was maybe seen madness, but I thought, I've got to fix this for these kids, and just started it. It really says something, doesn't it, about the fundamental worth or value of an individual when they're all their worldly possessions are being transported in a bin bag. And I know, I think you referred to that as your black bin bag moment. Yeah, so for me, the black bin bag moment was when I heard that story, and it was the feeling of, I've got to fix it. So I had seen lots of need as a youth worker, as an adoptive parent, as a foster carer, I've seen lots of need. You just walk outside the door and go down into the city centre of Belfast and you see need just on, on your doorsteps. But for me, it was just that moment for me that, that, that I had heard that story of that girl and I felt I had to fix it. I think one of the things that stood out for me when I heard you speak in Karen's class was when you referred to the size of the bags and that people had questioned you as to why they were that particular size and not larger. Could you tell the listeners why that's the case? Yeah, so... The, the challenge when you when you do social good is it can it can be the feel good factor for yourself the feel good factor for those who are involved in your movement and and sometimes the the practicalities haven't been thought out of well where do local authorities keep those bags if they're bigger and um you know people suggest to fill them but this is about getting their stuff not giving them more stuff and um, so I am very passionate about let's let's keep on keep on focus why we exist and we exist to deal with the black bin bag story. So that led us to you know some kids have more stuff to, to to carry and some kids have less. So we have intense. We sat down with young people. We co-designed the bag that we have with young people who were care experienced. They said that they wanted a bag that at that stage, I think it's lesser now because Madlog is seen as a brand, but at that stage we weren't really started and they didn't want a brand that kind of stigmatized them. And so they, they asked for a bag that was no branding on it, but they actually wanted the, the these words, value, worth, dignity is what we use, and they wanted that on the bag. So we created this little pack-away bag that could fit into, we could give a box of them into a social worker's car so they were prepared when they arrived at a breakdown of a home. And when they're folded up, they have, you are incredible, value, worth, dignity. But when they're opened up, they're non-branded. And they're about 35 litres, and people did question. That's a little bit on the small side because, you know, the kid I have in the, in the foster placement has more stuff. But if you have, if you're a kid that has less, Putting into a bigger bag actually reinforces a bigger problem. So my thing is give them two, give them three, give them four, give them ten bags if that's what's needed. And it's more about, for us, raising awareness that actually we can, no child in care should ever carry their life in a bin bag. And so if it's one of ours, then go and get others. Or use as many of ours as you have. I think it also really is about a very fundamental point in regard to all businesses that the product you would have designed and put out into the marketplace if it was just your perspective or the other people within Madlog compared to that product that you provided very much based on what those individual young people wanted that was tailored to their particular needs ended up being quite different to what perhaps you started with so you very much responding to what their particular needs and desires were. 
absolutely you know if again it's that thing if you have you know if it's about me then i create what i think they need but actually this is about them and um and our product our bags the the rucksacks the suitcases the stuff that we sell is actually quality but that's our funding stream to actually do the good and so it has to be good but actually what we're providing has to meet the need of the kids that we're providing them to and how did you set the price point for the product so that's that's a often in the the space of social businesses we charge more and that's a little bit frustrating for me because you, you know then you only really attract the socially conscious and my attitude was that people buy bags uh, and I started to look at the brands that people were and I wanted to try and get as close to that and so it was simply not coming from a business background it was simply in working back I saw the bigger companies and thought if they're able to sell a bag of 30 pounds we'll be able to get there so we may have less profit we may be tight we may be if we're only selling 100 200 bags at the start but but then I know that I can get my supply chain because the other companies were already modeling that and so I could work back at supply chain and, and increase margins so that then eventually um, and we're nearly there we're just not there but we're nearly there to um, get it into a retail price so we can sell to shops and, and still make a difference so that's the that's the kind of strategy so it was it was mm-hmm. there was an element of what kind of brand do we want to create what are we want to compete what's our competitors doing because there's a mindset if it's less then it's not as good so we want we we, we did it on that basis lots it's of research really one of the challenges that you've had to address is how do we price this product in order to make it both signal to the market that it is good quality and, and desirable, but also make it affordable to a wider range of people? What other challenges have you encountered? I think the, the biggest thing in social business is um, startup investment. So I started this with £480. We've taken no investment to date. And it was purely £480 was spent on the, the initiation cost to get our brand designed. And I've, I made a decision early on that that was important to really spend the money on the brand. And then I, I found the rest of the money to pay that bill. And when we went live, I only had samples. And I said to people, be patient. It may take three weeks. And then just kept reinvesting. The The challenge is that if in, in social is the, that social investment with that because it's a lot riskier and less return. So higher risk, less return isn't that attractive to an investor and you find that social investors out there probably like a little bit more of a background and maybe a year two years down they're more interested in talking to you so they it took a bit of grit and not everybody has that for me it's i I have it because i'm passionate about getting these kids bags and i have a very supportive family in allowing me to do that um so finance was was one the other one was skill base in that um, when you don't have the finance and the investment, then you're trying to recruit the skills to to do it. So, yes, we have had a lot of favor in um, volunteering and people, but there's limits to volunteering um, and capacity, and people are busy. Good people are extremely busy and travel lots. And and, um, and so skill base for us has been been a key um, to it. So finance skill base has been probably the, the key thing because i'm a i'm a strategist i'm a a creative i'm a pioneer but you know 
we're building a global business here and now we need to start recruiting the, the skill base to do that. But it must be enormously satisfying whenever you see those products going out to young people in care and knowing that it's going to make a really significant difference to their lives. What would you say the high points have been? You've obviously had to deal with those incredible challenges, but what is it that really gets you sort of up out of bed and motivated in the morning? I think for me, the, it's hearing stories and seeing, you know, the, hearing stories of the impact. Um, so about two years into it, I was kind of at that moment where I could have easily given up. And then I received a handwritten letter saying, you know, it was in a page and a half saying of the impact, the fact that somebody cares without even knowing me um, was just, it was kind of like, that's why I do it. Thank you. I'm moving on. I'm doing it. And then this summer it was a really special time. So in in June, we uh, I was at a youth event selling uh, a bit of pop up shop at it, and there was a it was a residential thing, and there was 1,500 young people there, and there was over 300 uh, young people carrying madlugs. So it was the first time it's I'd started to see the vision of this, where we were more than just giving bags. We're creating a brand that actually identifies us as people who care about kids in care. So this idea of lots of people carrying it and communicating that was phenomenal. And I was speaking to a youth worker at this event, and uh, and in fact he was buying a bag, and had said that we have a young guy in our in our group that actually is a foster foster kid. And the whole idea of stigma right at the start, I thought, well, this isn't really a case. There's over 300 of his peers are carrying Madlug backpacks. So I said to the youth worker, send him along, get him to choose a colour of backpack that, that, that he would like. He doesn't have to tell me, just tell you and I'll give it to him. Because that's another thing. I don't want to use kids to fast track sales so, um, or to get nice pictures. It's about, you know, dignity and value and worth and dignity of these kids. So two days later... This youth worker arrives down with the young guy. I'll, I'll use his name, Jay, but that's not his real name. And um, ends up Jay, 17 and a half. He had been in care 10 years. And he had, in a two-week period in that 10 years, had moved 15 times with his belongings in bin bags. And um, I says, you know, what colour bag would you like? He chose a colour. And it, it resulted in... Just him saying, this is amazing. Love what you do, love what you do. Well, also he was in care. Um, he, had, he had moved all those times because he had a drug issue. And he's 17 and a half and all of, all of that stuff. So he got his bag. But as he was saying, this is amazing, this is amazing. I started to get this picture of not just a business giving bags, but a, a movement that was communicating to people who we can't often speak these things to non-verbal communicators of care around this, the world, around cities, around towns, as people were not communicating to these kids that they, that they matter, they're incredible. I says, what's really amazing is there's over 300 young people outside this, this venue and they've all chosen mad lug bags. And as I was saying, I broke down and I started to cry and I, and I said, sorry, and he says, that's okay. So this kid gets to see a bit of emotion um, from a man as well, it's like, oh, this is, you know, he says, that's okay, I went on, by the time I got it out, I says, they have, what's amazing is that they have chosen to buy Madlug bags over Adidas, Nike, Eastpac, all the brands that, that they, they buy, why? Because every one of them believes that you are incredible, he came back a couple of hours later with a little friend smiling, 
he basically um, just threw his arms around me and says, I'm back to say thank you. And then two days after the event, we got a message on Facebook that said, I met Dave Linton at, at this event. I was blown away the work of Madlug and I've decided that when I'm 18, and that was coming, that all the money that I get for my 18th birthday, I'm going to give it to the work of Madlug so that other young people like me can experience what I experienced. And so for me, that has been a super highlight to, to say, this is not just about giving dignity to kids, but this is actually creating a, a movement or an army um, of heroes, Madluggers, that they're carrying the bag and taking on the power of a hero so that these kids who feel lost in a care system can feel cared for, not by people who are being funded to care, but people who are funding to care. And that's that's the highlight that keeps me going. Oh, I think that's uh, absolutely fantastic story. And I think for anybody with an interest in social entrepreneurship, you can really see the value in what you're doing and to have that really direct interaction with somebody who has benefited as a result of it. And such as your interest in social entrepreneurship that you have now started mentoring some fledgling social entrepreneurs, what advice do you give them? I think you, you don't start until you find your bin bag story. So too often, I think we, we like the idea of social business and it's very broad. So you put a topic like homelessness or kids in care or domestic violence and all these areas and food poverty and so forth. And you look at it in very broad and but everybody's doing it. And I think the, the key to the success is looking for the, the thing that may seem to the people around you as insignificant because that's often the thing that becomes significant. So for me, it was a simple little bag that people says there's bigger things to fix in the care system, but that has given me a focus that keeps us focused and keeping it simple, and and that has become the significant thing. Yes, we're doing lots of other things, but that is the significant thing that actually gives us a focus that's made the business work. So it's it's look for your black bin bag story, and and. If you have a, a desire to fix a problem in a wider, then lift the eyes up, stop looking in, and actually look for the black bin bag story in it. And that's often the thing that people around you will initially say that that's insignificant. That's not going to really make an impact. But that becomes, I believe, the real significant thing. And as you highlight, creates a movement. Yes, it creates a movement and it identifies. Plus, it also makes you fit into your part. So you become less when you when you start seeing bin bag stories and get yours, you then have your story in the story to tell. You have a story that you invite people into it. So you're 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 fixing a problem. You're introducing people to that problem. You're inviting them people. When you tell that problem, you're inviting them into that story, and it means that you're not competing with. So I'm not competing with the charities out there. I'm not competing with the other social businesses out there because mine's a black bin bag and that might be something else for somebody else. So you start to find your niche and then it means that you can work collaboratively, support instead of competitively. And it's the black bin bag story that will keep you going through those early mornings, late nights, the financial challenges um, and so forth because of the sheer passion um, behind it. Absolutely. So the name of the podcast is The Good Business Podcast. So can I conclude by asking you what you think makes a good business, Karen? That's a, it's a really good question, Laura, because I work with a lot of business statistics and when I think of a good business we normally think of that as a successful business in terms of financial success, like they're growing or they're taking on more employees. 
Um, but successful doesn't always mean good um, in the sense. So, you know, particularly in this day and age, we see a lot of examples of businesses that are successful, but not often very ethical or don't treat their employees very well. Um, especially we've seen a rise in the type of the gig economy where worker employees are treated as workers you know they have to be self-employed contractors almost rather than employees to the company to so that the company doesn't have to give them the benefits that you'd normally get as an employee so I think to answer your question um a good a good business is one that not only is successful but actually um acts with integrity towards its both its employees and its customers and those it deals with in its supply chain as well so that it's acting responsibly um, and to all areas of its business operations. And Dave, you find a way to try and balance those two issues, good in the sense of moral and ethical, but also good in the fact that your business is growing. What is a good business for you? I think a good business is simply um, people-focused. So if you have that, and you believe that people have in the world have huge value and worth, that goes for your staff, that goes for the people that you meet, that goes for the people that you engage with, and that goes for the people that you hire. And and it's, it's also that starting place or that core foundation is actually then, um, it basically makes every decision easier out of that, how you spend your money, how you treat people and so forth. So I think it's people, it has to be people-focused. Which is certainly at the heart of Madlog. Thank you so much for joining me today. I think most of us at some point in our lives will experience a black bin bag moment. Those times that really cause us to question um, what it is that we are pursuing in life. And certainly you've turned that moment into a business that is shaping up to be fantastically successful. So wish you all the best with it. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Karen. Thank Thank you. you.